0: Horror Critic.
1: Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And this is a podcast where my wife and I critique and argue over horror films like a couple of drunks at the bar. So... (laughs) Maybe you never quite learn anything, maybe we never enlighten you, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you have a good time listening. So today we are wrapping up our month-long discussion on deadly summer camp films, and we are doing that with the 1981 classic The Burning, uh, directed by Tony Malem, who went on to do a, a film that I personally really enjoy called Split Second with Rugger Hauer. If you've never seen it, it's... Kind of awesome. It, it, <laughs> it, it's like a futuristic thing where uh, I, I want to say it's Los Angeles has been completely flooded and Rugger Hower's like tracking this heart-stealing monster and it's very like alien kind of inspired, like the design of the monster, right? Awesome. Uh, and it's just Rugger Hauer being a total badass. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can't uh, go wrong. Yeah. The, the movie's not quite as exciting as it should be or maybe it sounds, but it's still really fun. I enjoy it. Uh, And the Burning was written by Peter Lawrence, uh, who went on to do a ton of TV shows, including Thundercats. (laughs) (laughs) And it was also written by the other fucking Weinstein brother. I'm not even going to give either of them, like, the proper, you know, name accreditations. Yeah, no, just fuck (laughs) those guys. Just fuck them both. And And it's basically about this... Summer camp, as they all are, (laughs) uh, which, which centers around this legend of Cropsey, and essentially the film opens with this group of dumbass kids who pull a prank on this groundskeeper, and it causes him to get horribly burned. And then he gets out of the hospital, and all the hospital people are like, hey, you know, try not to hold such a vengeance, even though your whole body's horribly burned and disfigured forever. And, you know, just, just be nice to those kids. It wasn't their fault. And he's like, fuck you people. I'm going to go <laughs> murder all of those kids. So <laughs> so he goes to camp and ends up stalking and killing teenagers. And, uh, yeah, like you do. Yeah, like, like every other summer camp horror films. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get into spoilers with that, though, we have our usual spoiler-free content, so... First off, as far as releases go this week, one that I just I can't wait for everybody to see. I, I want to talk about it with everybody. Is a film called Werewolves Within, and this is <laughs> of di- it's
2: a fucking werewolf movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and this is uh, directed by Josh Rubin, who did the film Scare Me. And these will all be out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, this one's coming to limited theaters this week. And then I believe it's on VOD, uh, I want to say the first week of July, which I'll I'll mention it again when it's out. So but it's called Werewolves Within. It's based on the Ubisoft video game, you know, that basically involves, you know, it, there's a card game with it too, I believe, kinda where it's, you know, it involves everybody trying to figure out who's a werewolf in a in a oh, isolated setting. That one. Yeah, so werewolves within centers around this uh this ranger named Finn who shows up to this small town. And that day, I think, uh, all of the power goes out and the roads get closed off and this town's already like super tense with this pipeline that's try- that someone's trying to build there and like half the town is for it and half the town's against it, right? And anyway, long story short, they end up discovering that one of them may or may not be a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> and so the-, the thing I'll say about the film is it's very much, it's a horror comedy and it leans very much into the, Comedy sort of clue who done it type aspect, so there's a lot less werewolf carnage than I think like big time werewolf fans like myself might want, you mm-hmm. know uh like like I'll admit there's a point in the movie where I was kind of like. I wish there was more werewolf in this.
2: <laughs> but you always wish there's more werewolf.
1: Uh, I do, and I very badly miss traditional werewolf movies. Like, this is not Bad Moon or Silver Bullet or something like that, although those are inspirations, Josh says. But it is still a very fun movie, very clever. Uh, highly re- highly recommend checking it out. I had a lot of fun with this. Another film coming out is, uh, and you can check out my review on that on killerharkritic.com. Uh, Another film coming out this week on Hulu is called False Positive. And this is a pregnancy horror film that, as as I said in my review with it, it doesn't necessarily do anything different per se. Like, it doesn't rewrite the book on pregnancy horror films. But what it does do is approach it in sort of a timely manner. And by timely, I mean, shits all over men. So it's (laughs) basically... uh so now
2: I want to watch it
1: <laughs> yeah no it's it's very good, so basically, you know a lot of people have compared it to Rosemary's baby, and I actually don't think that's that accurate i I refer to it more as kind of following a similar line to a film called the unborn uh where both films kind of deal with the concept of not being able to trust your doctor, you know, and so and and your partner, and so uh false positive basically has this woman and her partner who have been trying to get pregnant, and they go to her partner's, like, one of his good friends, this, like, fertility specialist, right, uh, who's played by Pierce Brosnan, uh, who's awesome. really great in the role. And anyway, he ends up getting her pregnant, no problem, and... <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, and he's Pierce Brosnan, so. Of course,
1: you know, his... I mean, the guy can get anybody pregnant. Yep. Um And anyway, as time goes on, she begins to become more and more suspicious of Pierce and her partner and kind of everyone involved with this clinic... Uh, She thinks that something's wrong with the baby, but they keep telling her it's fine. She starts going through like weird time lapses, you know, where she's kind of losing track of time or or repeating actions and not realizing it and going through all kinds of like weird hallucinations and stuff. So I won't say anything more than that, but it's an excellent film. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. It's not it leans more, much more in the psychological horror than anything else, so go in expecting that. You know, this isn't like, it's alive with a killer baby <laughs> running around. <so. laughs> uh, and then lastly, and you can also find my review for that on com. And then lastly is a film called Gaio, which is coming to VOD. This is another really interesting movie that essentially is an eco-horror body movie. So it's been a while since I've watched it. I caught this at a festival a while back, but from what I recall, it's basically... Uh, about this, uh, I want to say a ranger or some kind of, you know, person involved with the woods <laughs> who <laughs> uh, who happens to encounter this uh, father and son who are living in isolation out there. And it turns out that there's like these... I don't I don't know what to call them plant. We'll call them plant people. There's like plant people (laughs) uh, that are in the woods, and there's kind of like this weird disease spreading through the body, right? And and I won't really say anything more than that, but it's very strange. It's very like a twenty four ish. You know, if you're familiar with those kinds of movies, and you know, so just very much like. It's also heavy on the psychological horror, but does have a lot of body horror and some fun creature stuff in it, Uh, but very strange, very weird, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it's a good film. So anyway, those are your releases coming out this week. So another thing we like to do is every week on our Twitter, at Killer Critics, I'll post up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So with the burning between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where you think this one falls.
2: Oh. I don't know. I guess I'm going to go with it's fine. I have a tendency to just put our poll at where I feel like for the movie so
1: you do don't you <laughs> I do
2: <laughs> I, I hope that people agree like,
1: everyone must agree with me because I said this thing <laughs> I'm
2: not saying that they must I'm hoping that they agree with me
1: okay well you're very wrong on this one damn it <laughs> now the the burning is mostly beloved uh, so of it's of course it is uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so 48% say they love it 26% say it's fine 3% don't like it and 23% have never seen it which that part actually surprises me 23
2: percent haven't seen it
1: I, I am surprised that, that that poll fell there with this like I'm not surprised that the majority leans towards love it but people this is a classic slasher movie like I, I know I sound like the pretentious <laughs> horror fan when I'm like how have you not seen this but so I'm not gonna pull that move and it, yes it came out in 1981 I get it all right like it's an older movie but but it is that thing that you know I, I've really realized doing this podcast. The longer that we do this, the more I'm like, fuck, I'm getting old. <laughs> like like 1981 is now it, we're now in that period where I feel like these early 80s films are really not as widely seen by the newer <laughs> generation. That really bums me out. <laughs> See,
2: it makes me feel better since my horror education is so scattershot mm. that when our audience is just like, "Yeah, I haven't seen it." I'm like, "Good, I'm not the only one. I'm not alone."
1: yeah and that's fine, like you know we all have we all have things we have and haven't seen it's just it's just kind of noting the fact of like all right we we've hit that mark now where you know, like when I was growing up it 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 made sense of you know there are a lot of movies from the sixties and beforehand that maybe I hadn't seen right when I was a kid and and now I'm just kind of realizing like you know for a lot of horror fans of my generation, it's like you know the eighties was like the big decade, like that's the decade that all of us refer to as like our favorite you know yeah. i should say most of us not all of us but it is the best though <laughs> uh, but you know but we're reaching that point now where i'm realizing that this current this new generation of horror fans you know if it's early 80s there's probably a good chance they might not have seen it so yeah <laughs> just getting to that point now but like like you know anyway i'm not gonna spend that on this um <laughs> But anyway, so we always like to get a few comments from you all as well, so just a few here, uh, and these are all on Twitter, at the Callback Film. Uh, says, just watched this for the first time a month ago, see, people are still discovering it, uh, and was very pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed it. That raft scene, iconic.
2: <laughs> I, I love the raft scene, even though for me, I do have a moment where it makes no sense. Because you can't have a raft battle in the middle of the water and stay afloat. That's not happening. But the carnage in it is glorious. Yes, so, it, yeah, is. it is. It is a really fantastic scene. and it's, I think the burning is an easy one to be pleasantly surprised by. Because the effects and the kills are so good in it. Um, and a lot of the actors are really fun to watch. Plus Damn it has Jason Alexander.
1: Yeah, no, they are. the The cast is great. The kills are great, and I mean, the raft scene is personally one of my favorite scenes, and honestly, one of my favorite kills in horror history. So,
2: damn.
1: <laughs> uh, well, just because I mean, look, you know, I we're not in spoiler territory yet, but I will just say this. You know, there there are very few slashers that can claim such a moment where, you know, you've heard the phrase, kill two birds with one stone. Well, that scene kills <laughs> like five birds with one stone, you know? So it's yeah, like, <laughs> and, and, and not a lot of slashers do that kind of thing, right? So, mm-hmm. so it kind of, it really stands out in that way. But uh anyway, thank you at the callback film for your comment. Really appreciate it. Next up is at metal Lehman 72. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. And that's metal L I. So M E T A L L I M A N. And then the number 72. And they say, I think it's a great if underrated slasher and was always surprised there were no sequels that followed. This was one of the video nasties of the 80s in the UK. And to get the uncut version was a rite of passage among me and my friends. Great gore effects too.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I'm very surprised that The Burning didn't get any sequels or kind of become a franchise. Because there's a lot to it that could become a great franchise. This isn't. One of my favorites, so I get why this got the video nasty it got on that list because of how kind of intense it is about a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and disagree there just because...
2: Why? <laughs> hey, this is bloody and gory more so than any Friday the 13th is.
1: Not true. I really... I don't think so. Like, I think, you know, the the burning... The burning's more of an intensity in in its discomfort in the type of things that are happening... You know, like this is not a pleasant movie towards women. No,
2: it is not.
1: And so, so for me, it's more kind of cringy in that sense. Uh, But the gore, I mean, honestly, the gore is really tame, though, compared oh. to a lot of stuff in the early 80s, you know, so like, so so I am kind of, you know, the video nasty era was a bunch of bullshit, you know, like, mo- <laughs> most of the movies that ended up on the video nasty list weren't really that bad, you yeah. know, and just, it's just that that was a time period where everyone was freaking out, and, you know, Christians are like, oh my god, it's, it's destroying our minds, and, you know, so I, I don't have to get too much into that, but... But yeah, but this wasn't, you know, I I can see where Metal Lehman's coming from. Like, these kinds of movies, you know, as a kid, these were a little bit more intense than something like, you know, Critters or Ghoulies (laughs) or something like that. So, So it was kind of a rite of passage in a sense of, like, you know, as horror fans, I feel like a lot of us, whenever you discover horror not all of us but some of us try to tend to tend to start off with like the more kind of gateway stuff right mm-hmm. it's like a drug you start off yeah. with like the easier stuff you know the easier to get stuff the 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 stuff that's going to cause you to have less of a freak out right and then the braver you get with it the the <laughs> the more you the more you expand <laughs> your mind with it right so and you try something else something a little hard something that hits a little harder right well,
2: then you wind and, up in a back alley having watched cannibal holocaust and you realize maybe you've gone too far
1: Oh yeah, then you were, <laughs> then you end up in a back alley, you know, blowing somebody for a cannibal holocaust copy and like <laughs> Uh and that the ni- <laughs> that's the 80s and the 90s for you people, blowing blowing people for copies of ha- cannibal holocaust on VHS. Um but anyway, so uh thank you Metal 72 for the comment. Really appreciate it. Uh and, and, and these are where the comments start to get a little uh not as favorable here. So <laughs> uh so at Halloween year round, so that's Halloween Y R R O U N D. And, and this is a good friend of mine, uh definitely check out their website. They they have a website where they do uh really fun lists and stuff like that. Uh but they say it's a great early slasher, but unfortunately it will always be connected with and remembered as the movie that launched Harvey Weinstein's career. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to say that that shows like Weinstein and his views on women very much come out in this movie. And I do feel like it taints it a bit, taints it a bit, which is unfortunate. And it's yeah. Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I agree. I mean, you know, Harvey didn't write or direct this movie, but obviously he's a producer. He has a lot of say in it. And and there are some things that we're going to get into in the episode where we are going to talk about that. So I will just warn you all now, that conversation is going to happen at some point during discussion on the Burning Year. But, you know, fuck you, Harvey. Yep. Uh, uh, really quick, I will say, you know, that comment is accurate, though. This is the movie that launched his career, unfortunately. And, and it was, I think, the first, I don't even want to just say the first big movie for Miramax. I think it was the first movie for Miramax. Oh, shit. But anyway, thank you at Halloween Year around for the comment. Really appreciate it. Next up is at that Joe Myers. So that's that and then J-O-E-M-E-Y-E-R-S. And they say, can't say that I love it, but I quite enjoyed the film. Uh, Somehow my first viewing of it was at Camp Fango on the rooftop, so I couldn't have asked for a better first watch scenario and its premise. It's odd to me that the film didn't birth a franchise like Friday the 13th.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's such a good franchise film that I I don't get it. I'm, um, but yeah, I agree. Look, this is not my favorite camp slasher film. I am. Um, there's a lot of things about this film. I don't particularly like, but the gore is great. And that's what I do like about this film and the kills.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised you don't have a comment on Camp Bingo because we were there. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, like,
2: I, I was trying to remember if that's the first time I saw it as well.
1: That is the first time you saw it. So like, ah! uh, I'm pretty sure po-
2: experience.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty positive. That was your first time. Um, yeah, no, can't, we were there for Camp Fango. I actually think, uh, you know, Joe and I ended up talking on Twitter a brief, or that that might be around the time that Joe and I started talking a little bit more on Twitter. So what's up, Joe? But <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, no, I, we were there at Camp Fango. It was this really awesome event that Fangoria put on uh, where we had Camp Fango on the rooftop. And so it's just this really cool event where they had a big screen there, and they ended up showing a double feature of Sleepaway Camp and the burning and uh, Mick Garris was there uh, oh, along yeah. with Joe Russo, and they did like a live uh, podcast recording. And I think that was when Mick announced a book he was working on. But no, it was a great experience. I absolutely loved it. Just watching movies on a rooftop, you know, with the stars out in LA, like fucking awesome. I really, really, really hope Fangoria comes back and does something like that again. They please, should, please, 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 you should do it. You should do it in every fucking city <laughs> in on the planet, you know. But but anyway, and. and quick comment I'll make on the franchise thing. I do know that they attempted er, there was discussion of uh, the Burning Part 2. I don't know why that fell through necessarily. My my only guess as to maybe why is that neither the Weinstein's nor uh director Tony Malum were really horror people. Mm. It was more so that horror was kind of a way to get in. You know, like it, 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 as as everybody kind of knows, like horror is the franchise where a lot of beginner filmmakers or, or filmmakers trying to break in they they start in horror because it's an easy, it's the easiest to sell genre, not the easiest to make. I'm not gonna say making <laughs> making horror films is easy. It's really difficult to make a good horror movie. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one that tends to sell better. You know, so so that's where a lot of them start. So I just kind of got the impression listening to them talk about the movie that. You know, it, horror really wasn't their forte, so I imagine that even though this was successful, maybe there was just kind of a thought of like, ah, we'd rather do something else, you know? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so thank you, Joe, that Joe Myers for the comment, appreciate it. And then lastly, is a comment from at dar dar finch, so that's d a r d a r f i n c h, and they say, I know I'm going to get hate for this, but I think about ten collective of, but I think about ten collective minutes of this film is great. Mostly thanks to Savini's effects, and the rest is painfully boring. I just don't find these counselors entertaining, like in other films, and we spend way too much time with them
2: <laughs> uh, I do think that all the characters in this well, mainly the male characters are all terrible human beings
1: generally yeah <laughs> yeah
2: I am um, so yeah, it does make this movie a little bit hard to watch sometimes,
1: yeah, it's uh I, I, admittedly, I'm not a huge fan of the characters either, and I do think that this is. Not the most exciting slasher movie. It's it's very simplistic and honestly not that well made. Like I <laughs> I know I'm gonna get a lot of shit for saying that, but I'm so like but I'm sorry. Have, you know those of you who love it, <laughs> I can already imagine all, the, all all the people hating me for this. Um, <laughs> I will just say this: like I don't dislike The Burning at all. I like The Burning, but. But you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like it's this amazing it's not an amazing movie. I <laughs> no. think I think it I think it's I think elements of it are great. Tom Savini's effects are great.
2: Of course. Uh,
1: I think the soundtracks excellent. And and it's a you know, overall it's a simple fun movie like, you know, so I enjoy it. But but when you look at the production of this movie, I mean for God's sakes, you know, like the <laughs> it goes back and forth <laughs> between looking like it's day and nighttime, you know, like they <laughs> like they very clearly really struggled with continuity in this movie, <laughs> um, you know, and, and and a lot of the characters are kind of fucking despicable. <laughs> yeah. so, so we'll get into that too. But, but no, I, I can, de- basically what I'm saying is I can definitely understand where Dardar is coming from here. You know, yeah. like it's not, <laughs> I, I can, I fall in the middle on this. I really like it. I don't love it. And I can understand both sides of where you fall with this movie. Uh, but anyway, thank you, Dardar Fringe for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, So last thing we like to do before spoilers is just talk about the tagline versus the film and what we think of it overall really quick. So the tagline for the burning was a legend of terror is no campfire story anymore.
2: (laughs) 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 I'm I'm always going to laugh because you say it so amazingly.
1: So what do you think? uh, Thank you. So what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of the burning overall?
2: I mean, yeah, I feel like the tagline works. It's fine. It's fun. I'm always gonna love. Honestly, I'm always gonna love any tagline that you read to me because it's always gonna be amazing. (laughs) I am look for me with the burning. Look, it's fine. It's fine. That's about as highest praise that I can give this movie because for me, I have to like at least one of the characters, and. I like Jason Alexander in this movie Um, and maybe like one other character. Mm. So I have a hard time with this movie because I don't love the characters I don't love the killer. So it's pretty much, it's a handful oh, of- Oh, I love the killer. Uh, just, he's nothing. He's nothing. What do you mean he's nothing? He's a creep, Crop- whatever. crap
1: Crop- but he looks so cool. And his garden shears? Okay, his <laughs>
2: garden shears are cool, but like what? You Like a melted candle? All right. Whatever, <laughs>
0: fuck you.
2: <laughs> and this is uh, not a dig at Tom Zavini. He tried really hard. I read that he was kind of disappointed with how the Cropsy makeup turned out. Well, I mean, um. he, might dis-
1: he might be disappointed. I think it looks great. I think it looks like a fucking melted candle. <laughs> Whatever. You look like a melted candle. No, Sometimes. So, <laughs> no, so, like, I, I mean, I'm with you in terms of, like, I don't love the movie. I do really like it, though. It's not, you know, it's not when I think Cam Slasher, it's not the movie that I run to of, like, I got to watch the Burning right now. Mm-hmm. Uh but it is a it is a film that I enjoy. Like I loved watching it on the rooftop for Camp Bango. It's Oh, that it's was an, amazing. It's an audience pleaser in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it it's not a perfect movie, but it it is a fun film with an audience. Mm-hmm. And and I I do think that Savini did great work on the effects. And and look, you're always going to be your own worst critic. I get that he is not totally satisfied with the makeup on it. And and The Burning is not the best display of his effects. Uh, but I do still think he did a great job. You can tell that they had Savini level quality effects and, and and no, i just I just think Cropsey's a really cool villain i I think that overall the film's a good time. Uh, a couple things I just want to add to it really quick are just that everything that we're about to get into, so like if you listen to us, you know that we usually try to find like meaning and stuff in these movies, right? You know, try to Matt pull tries whatever.
2: to find meaning.
1: I try to pull meaning out of <laughs> these movies sometimes. And I was gonna get. I'm just gonna tell you straight up. I'm gonna try, like I said with Madman earlier this month. I'm gonna try with the burning, but as the director himself says, <laughs> they had no intention whatsoever with anything with this film <laughs> beyond just making a fun movie. You know, like he he says it on the commentary with this, where he's like, I wasn't trying to make a statement. I wasn't trying to say anything about anything. I just wanted to make a fun slasher. And 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 you know, and we mentioned like this is a film that you know came at a time where there was a lot of discussion about the violence against women and stuff and slashers like this and it is really interesting to hear him talk about it and be like yeah we thought nothing of that you know <laughs> we just we just thought we were making a fun movie and it is kind of one of those films where i watch it and i'm like but you but you didn't see the problem with some of this i feel like <laughs> it's
2: just personal biases showing unfortunately
1: a little bit, you know, like, um, like I, I'm not going to spend time on this, but it's like, you know, I compare this to something like Friday the 13th Part 2, which came out in the same year. And it's like, that movie does a great job of not feeling like it's going after one sex or the other, right? Yeah. Whereas The Burning is very heavily like, fuck women in a lot of ways, you know? (laughs) Uh, So anyway, we are getting into that. But yeah, I just want to preface with, I'm going to try with this episode, but expect (laughs) me to go in a lot of different directions here. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so we're about to get into sports territory. So if you haven't seen The Burning, do recommend checking it out. I believe it's streaming on Tubi, so you can watch it there. Uh, Otherwise, I do think it's worth the rental if you're in the slasher films, uh, so definitely check it out there. Otherwise, yeah, we're about to spoil the crap out of this. So, uh, as usual, who do you want to talk about with the burning? You know, we've got kind of an interesting cast here. Uh, You mentioned Jason Alexander, who plays Dave. Uh, We've got our sort of main character, Todd, played by Brian Matthews, his Sort of girlfriend, played by Michelle, played by Leah Aries, Glazer, played by Larry Joshua, <laughs> Alfred, played by Brian Becker. Who do you want to talk about in this?
2: Fuck Alfred. Fuck Alfred. Fuck Alfred. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about Michelle because, you know, a thing that we are going to kind of be talking about with this episode in this movie is how the women are portrayed in this movie. And I specifically want to talk about Michelle because she should have been the fucking final girl. she should have been the final girl like not alfred not todd she she
1: should have had anything to do in this movie
2: (laughs) right like look like michelle normally for me like we get it a lot in movies where you have female secondary characters who are a little bit smarter than their male counterpoints Mm. but in this case michelle's a lot fucking smarter than todd is like
0: oh yeah yeah
2: and i i love her because she is ready to go to the mat for any of her campers like she yells at alfred for being a creep she yells at eddie for being an asshole like she will take down anybody and hold people fucking accountable and that she's actually
1: good at her job she's
2: great at <laughs> her job and she's she's really fun and great to watch on screen and the one thing I will give the burning because we talked about this a little bit with Sleepaway Camp and how well it did the camp atmosphere Mm. the burning does it really well as well without doing the the gender separation that Sleepaway Camp does. Mm -hmm. The burning when I watch those camp scenes that for me is the most reminiscent of how camp actually is.
1: To me me there's gender separation in a different way (laughs) with the burning and those camp scenes because Because, you know, basically, like, not to interrupt what you're saying, but so, you know, your your introduction to a lot of these characters, right, is that baseball scene, uh, which Sleepaway Camp also has a baseball scene, you know? The difference with the baseball scenes in both these movies (laughs) is the Sleepaway Camp one, like, you know, we talked about that and how it kind of feels like, you know, it's talking about, like, the sort of primalness of men versus women, right, and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And with the burning... It feels still like gender separation in a sense because it's extremely male gazy. You know, like it's- it opens
2: <laughs> on a girl's ass.
1: <laughs> well, well, like all, yeah, all all of the women are like playing in their like bikini bottoms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and, and we're just kind of following the men, like all checking them out, but there's no like
2: slutty men.
1: There's no slutty men. There's no <laughs> men in like short shorts and, you know, shirtless and stuff like that. It's so a
2: crime. So,
1: <laughs> well, it's just very eighties, right? Like it's it, eighties
2: well, gave me men in crop tops. They should have had crop it, tops.
1: It did. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so and anyway, you were saying,
2: I wish that she was my camp counselor because she's amazing and she could have kicked Cropsy's ass so much better than Todd did.
1: Oh, she could have. And we're going to talk about Todd and we're going to talk about Alfred, but (laughs) who I just want to mention really quick that kind of leads into like a pseudo theme, I think, with this movie is is uh, Dave played by Jason Alexander. Fuck Yeah. So so first of all, I I think Dave's probably the best character in the movie or at least one of them, you know, Jason Alexander, uh, which, by the way, this was his first movie. Um, no shit. Yeah, it was his first movie. I think he had done like a, a TV thing before this, but this was his first movie. Uh, and there's actually a lot of these actors' first films. Uh, Holly Hunter's in this movie too, in like a really brief role, and it was her first movie. But Dave, you know, it's weird to see Jason Alexander with hair. I will say that every time I, because I, I grew up with him in Seinfeld being bald, <laughs> right? And so every time I watch this, I'm like, wow, Jason Alexander was actually a good looking dude when he was, he was younger. He's adorable. You know? Uh, What happened, man? And so, <laughs> but no, but he's a, he's a good character because to me, he strikes me as the most realistic sort of teen guy in a sense. Because, you know, movies like Sleepaway Camp and, and some others, they, they tend to sort of portray male teenagers as just like abhorrent rapists in a lot yeah, of ways.
2: Or really aggressive.
1: And, or really aggressive. And I'm not going to say that men aren't aggressive at that age. They absolutely are. But but uh, so maybe the best way to put it is that Jason Alexander to me strikes me as the most similar to like my level of aggressiveness in the sense that he never really comes off as rapey. You know, no. he 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 jokes around and he says things that maybe he shouldn't. Like, <laughs> I don't know what women wants to be talked about with spermicide. Yeah. Like what fucking woman <laughs> wants to have some teenage dude talking to her about spermicide? None that I no. know. Nobody or knew, you know. So, you know, he's like, he's a little bit aggressive in that sense, but, but he never, he never comes off as like mistreating the women, you know, he kind of, he kind of is like bringing them in on the joke most of the time, which, and and that, and that's why, so like when the women are laughing at his jokes, it feels real. It feels like it makes sense, you know, Yeah. and and it's only when dudes like Glazer getting laughs or stuff like that, we're like.
0: No, now I'm
1: starting to not believe it. You know, Glazer's a little aggressive for me. To be
2: fair, all the women are laughing at Glazer; they're never laughing with him.
1: True, mostly true. Um, (laughs) But what strikes me about Jason Alexander and and his character Dave is that this is a character that survives this movie. Yeah, and and this is where things get tricky with the burning. So, (laughs) so as the director says, you know, as I just mentioned no intent with this movie whatsoever. We know the people that were involved with it, and we certainly know that they're not intending to give us any positive messaging whatsoever regarding women, right? Yeah. Or men. So when I watch this film, it's just kind of this weird thing of like, I almost feel like I'm trying to take ownership of it, of like, this is what I want to take <laughs> out of it, you know? And, and that is just this fat this sense that, to me i want to feel like dave survives because he respects the women you know so like in a lot of these movies you know there's that there's that uh sort of believe trope or stereotype or whatever of, of the sense that you know you have sex you die like that that's that's present mm-hmm. in a lot of these early slasher films and even mm-hmm. modern slasher films you know and and dave obviously doesn't do that. Yeah. But he he has a sense of respect for the women, you know? Like he he cha- he kind of treats the women like one of the guys in a sense. Yeah. Uh like they're just he's comfortable with just being friends with them. He doesn't have to fucking hit on all of them like all the other dudes in this movie. So Yay. uh so so to me, I, I wanna feel like Part of the reason he survives is because he's not one of these aggressive assholes in this movie. Being all, you know, aggressive like Grazer or creepy like Alfred. (laughs) Or just a total, like, misogynistic dickhead like Todd. Yeah, You know, he actually seems to like genuinely just want to have fun with these women and treat them like people. (laughs) Yeah, And and I feel like that's maybe why he survives.
2: (laughs) I would agree with you. He even has a moment where like he kind of steps in and protects one of the girls from stupid bullying. Like when they're supposed to be gathering wood to make the raft and one of the girls who I love and I wish I could remember the character name, but she has like, she's got a plastic bottle and she's all proud and excited of herself and Fish just berates her. And Dave is instantly, she turns to Dave like upset and he instantly is just like, come Jane, we will gather wood and gets her out of that situation so that they mm. can go and have fun and enjoy what's happening and not have to deal with pissant little boys being <laughs> bitchy. Right. Oh, I am. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I absolutely think that Dave survives because he's a good character. I'm kind of curious getting to the characters, what you think of of Cropsey, our, our villain's portrayal and his treatment in the film.
1: So, I mean, this is the other interesting thing about this movie is that, you know, I feel I feel like Cropsey is this character where, like, and again, I know that the movie is not trying to say anything. <laughs> like, this movie's brain dead as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> but...
2: <laughs> More so or less so than Mad Men?
1: Less so than Mad Men. Mad Men's pretty fucking brain dead. <laughs> um. <laughs> But when I look at Cropsy, you know, Cropsy to me strikes me as this character that sort of works in two different ways. So first of all, I, I, something that intrigues me about the character just in general is that we never actually really know how bad or not bad of a person Cropsy was. Because when you actually start to think about it, who is the one telling us this? Todd and his fucking bitch boy bully buddies, right? Yep. So, so you got all the you got all these kids in the beginning that are you know they're just saying shit about this guy. We don't know if they're telling the truth. They're a bunch of fucking dumbass kids who yeah. think that it's a fun joke to put like the skull of a corpse that they somehow <laughs> found. I mean, I I'm not even really sure what the fuck if that skull is real or no, if they... that's
2: a fake skull.
1: Well, I know it's a fake skull, but did the 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 like, where did the kids find it? Did they make that
2: thing? You know, <laughs> yep, like they, they made it in arts and crafts. <laughs>
1: but that's my point: is like, did they dig it up somewhere? Is it real? Did they put worms out. Like, where the fuck is that skull from? Anyway, the point is, it's a bunch of dumbass kids telling us about Cropsy, Right? Mm-hmm. We don't actually have any, uh, any any like visuals. Sense of ourselves of who Cropsy really is, other than he's obviously a drunk. You know, he seems like probably kind of a drunk. And stuff. yeah, <laughs> but but you know, you know how kids are. It's like an adult says one strict uh, thing to them, and they're all of a sudden like, "That's the worst person I know in my life." <laughs> you know, so so for all we know, Cropsy was actually a pretty decent person, and they just come in and just fuck up his life, right? So so that right. part so that part intrigues me, but but where I'm really getting to here is that. You know, you see it from the very beginning where Cropsey is almost, and I say almost because he does terrible things in this movie, but he's almost a sympathetic character Aww. in the sense I'm listening. that after he's burned, you have the scene in the hospital where the two doctors are, are are coming up and you got the one doctor that's, or, or the orderly, I don't really know what his job is, but he's <laughs> but he's basically like, you know, you've got to see this freak. This is a freak show. You want to be a doctor? This is the freakiest fucking freak you're <laughs> gonna ever freaking see. You know, like he, like he's really obsessed with just like how much of a fucking disaster <laughs> yeah. that Cropsy is. And it, you know, so it starts to touch on this idea of voyeurism, which ends up playing all throughout the movie. And we'll get into that in a sec. But it, it starts touching this idea of like how we view the disfigured in society. Mm-hmm. You know where it, 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 like it's they're heavily mistreated, and yeah. and it shows, it shows up in that moment with these two doctors basically being like, "Come look at this freak show," you know, <laughs> and, and so to me, like Cropsy again, this movie's not doing this intentionally, but to me, Cropsey kind of represents almost like this this rage for for that community of people who are disfigured. It, he's almost kind of like this rage raging out against that and the and the kind of bullies that. You know, go along with that because I view Todd and those kids in the beginning as bullies. Yeah. I don't view them as innocent kids who just pulled an innocent prank. An innocent prank is not, you know, doing what they did. An innocent prank is like, you know, calling someone up on the phone and being like, is your refrigerator running and doing that kind of dumbass bullshit, right? So... So, like, I view them as bullies, and when you combine that with the fact that none of them really get their comeuppets, and that, you know, these people in the hospital are treating cops like a fucking freak show instead of a human being, you know, it just, it starts to touch on these ideas of, like, the way that society views the disfigured and people who are suffering through conditions like that, and so he just ends up kind of being like this vehicle of vengeance for, you know, for for a society that looks down on anyone who's different, so... <laughs>
2: All right, I can, I can kind of see where you're coming from. I definitely agree with you with Todd, because the one thing I always thought was weird with this film is you have Todd telling the legend of Cropsey, uh, of, like, how he got burned, and he tells it like it's a campfire legend. Fucker, you burned that man!
1: Well, that's the whole point. Yeah. Listen to the way Todd tells that story. Yeah. Again, it's not intentional. I really don't think there's much thought being put into a lot of no. this, but... The way that Todd tells that story, he he's very much telling it like he's innocent. Yes. You know, he's very much telling it like almost in a way of like he's justifying what he did to Cropsey, right? Yeah. You know, like like Cropsey was this terrible person and and he got burned badly and now he's a fucking murderer. You know, like he he tells that story almost as if he wasn't even present for that. Yeah. You know, and to me that just strikes you like for how much of a fucking awful person Todd is. Yeah. Because who talks about ruining somebody's life? Almost and, murdering them. And almost murdering them in such a like casual, let me tell you a fun campfire story kind of way, right? Well, <laughs> and on
2: top of that, normally you would have a moment in the movie where like Todd does realize that this is the man that he burned and almost killed as a child. And normally in a horror film, you would then have a moment where that character tries to apologize or explain his part in it and Todd's like right. nope I'm gonna put a hatchet in your fucking face and never own up to anything
1: well and I mean and and again like going back to the you know whole whole way on which society treats uh the disfigured you know like I mean you got Todd referring to a to Cropsy as no longer human you know like mm-hmm. and, and that you know I, I just think that's like kind of the kind of it in a nutshell right with how with, with what this movie is indirectly saying yeah <laughs> Which is how we do view basically anybody who's different from us as not being on the level of the rest of us, right?
2: So then an important question that I have for you is Cropsey's first kill is not a camper, it's a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Do you think that he intentionally went to kill the prostitute or do you think that he killed the prostitute after she saw his face and was just like hard pass?
1: I think it's both, <laughs> honestly. So this this is where things he was get, he was
2: going to murder her anyways, but then she was a dick. This
1: is this is where things get a little bit tricky with the burning <laughs> again because the burning's not really trying to say anything. No. It's it's really not. But but this is where it gets a little bit tricky because to I th- I think that that's possible. You know, I think that it's possible that Cropsy, after she sees his face, you know, and freaks out, that that's when he maybe snaps. But I think that the other side of Cropsy that brings a less sympathetic view to him is that I also think that he alternatively kind of represents sort of the ugliness of men like him, men like Alfred, men like Eddie. I feel like he represents the ugliness of the inside of those men being worn on the outside. Yeah. You know, where, where it's like Cropsy is very just, you know, Yeah. The second he gets out of the hospital he goes to kill a <laughs> prostitute, right? And he and he does it in an ugly way. And he and he kills women in ugly ways in this movie, right? Yep. And you know, it does kind of because there's such an emphasis on just shitty men in this film, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he does feel like this visual representation of the of the ugliness and the rage of men on the inside being worn on the outside. So like, you know, you look at the character of Alfred as being this little shit. Fucking hate uh, Alfred, who, who, who's a voyeur and like scaring women, you know, and and watching them shower and stuff. And then he blames it on like, oh people were mean to me. Like, first of all, fuck you, Alfred. And yeah. <laughs> and second of all, you know, it, it almost kind of feels like, in a sense, Alfred and Cropsy are really kind of the same character, and Cropsy is more so. You know, Cropsy's kind of like, like what he becomes. He's kind of like every fucking bitch boy out there who, yep. you know, who has had uh, women, you know, turn him down or whatever. And, and you know, so basically Alfred strikes me as like what Cropsey started as and Cropsy is what Alfred will eventually become. Yep. If that makes sense. Yeah,
2: that absolutely does.
1: So so, let's kind of get into that for a little bit more. So what do you think of the voyeurism element of this movie? Because, because you know, all slashers, to an extent, have some kind of voyeuristic element, you know, dating all the way back to, like, Psycho and, and, and the film Peeping Tom, you know. But what do you think about The Burning in particular and kind of its approach to the idea of voyeurism?
2: Burning is very heavily voyeurism because normally, like, I feel like with a Jason or anything else, you get... You have brief moments of voyeurism. They watch for a little bit and then they move on. They watch for a little bit and they kill. But with the burning, you have long periods of just watching from a distance. And it's not just Cropsey watching people. It's Alfred, too. And so weirdly, I feel like the burning is kind of going, "Mm, voyeurism is kind of okay.
1: Oh uh, no, I don't think that. <laughs> I
2: here's the here, the big reason why I kind of feel that way is solely for the fact that Alfred never gets punished, because our first time that we meet him, he's being a creepy fucking voyeur. Yeah,
1: like, but that but that's not the movie saying that that's okay. Like I... you gotta so t- look. He's art, never
2: punished. No, I know, but you have you have to
1: art's difficult. Like it, it, you know, a lot of times it, it might if we read it for the surface value. Art, art, art I think it's misinterpreted a lot, right? Yeah. So like, and, and especially with horror films, you know, you know, stuff like this is really easy to misinterpret. I think sometimes because when you look at when you look at say like characters in films or movies, right. I think something that happens a lot, especially now, which I'm gonna be honest, I really hate <laughs> that, that our culture's gotten to this point where we just there's no room for, you know, inter- there's no room for like uh, Critical dis- thinking. Critical thinking or discussion or anything or anything like that. Everything is so surface value now. But something that, you know, I, I see happen a lot is say that you have a racist character in a book, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody then says, "Well, the author's racist," and it's like, mm. "No, they're not. Yeah. They're they're writing a character that's racist because there are bad people in the world, and believe it or not, there's going to be bad characters in this story. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I'm not going to write a book where everybody's <laughs> fucking perfect <laughs> because I'm not perfect and people aren't perfect, and that's not realistic to this to the world uh, that we're talking about, right? Yeah. So." So, you know, so I feel like a lot of people, sometimes you see that, that surface thing and you're like, oh, well that's, that's just what Mm -hmm. this is. Right. So anyway, that's not to talk down to you or anything, but (laughs) it's it's basically just saying that like, you know, I don't think that because Alfred gets away with it, that the film is saying that voyeurism is okay because you do still have characters that are like, that's fucking wrong. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's more to me that more so speaks to the character of Todd mm-hmm. and the character of Alfred and how honestly kind of wrong they are. You know, they so, are
2: definitely wrong.
1: <laughs> so, like, I, I guess when I look at this again, I, I don't think that we're going to get into this more as we talk about the ending with the film. But again, I, I think that this movie a lot is kind of relating Alfred to Cropsy in a sense. So, so when you look, when you know, when we talk about voyeurism, voyeurism is associated with killers a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, films like The Peeping Tom, Psycho, Halloween—they—they all—they they all start with some kind of voyeurism. A lot of killers in real life, you know, are voyeurs who who stalk, yeah, uh, their victims for a long time before you know doing anything, and so. So it, to me, that kind of voyeurism is maybe. So, I mean, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but maybe sometimes kind of an early sign of like you know potential issues with the person psychologically, where it's like you know like like I want people to understand like normal people do not <laughs> stalk women in showers no, like that. No, and then and then not feel any remorse for None it when they get remorse, caught. Yeah, you know, like like look teen boys are extremely hormonal okay they do weird shit I did weird shit as a kid but if I was caught for it I felt guilty as <laughs> you right? should
2: you should have been doing it in the first place
1: exactly so and I'm not saying I did what Alfred did but it's like <laughs> but it's like if you get caught for anything like that you tend to feel some kind of guilt Alfred yeah. feels none of that Alfred blames all of this on society and you know people bullying him and that kind of stuff and it sounds very much like you know like a real-life killer who might be like, oh, it wasn't my fault. Yeah. You all made me this way. You yeah. know? <laughs>
2: and that's the thing, I do really agree with you that there are a lot of parallels between Alfred and Cropsy because they both do a lot of the same similar things. Like, sometimes when we have a voyeur moment in the movie and we think it's Cropsy, it turns out to be Alfred being a fucking creep and watching people have sex. I think for me, why, like... I have a hard time viewing this movie as viewing voyeurism negatively is the fact that Alfred keeps weirdly getting positive reinforcement about it. He keeps getting understanding and like all of this other stuff, because look, as the audience, we know he's a fucking freak and he's an asshole and he's a piece of shit. But
1: he's but but he's only but he's only getting positive reinforcement from the men.
2: I know, but by horror movie rules, assholes have to die. That's my main issue well, with this film, is it doesn't follow the basic bitch horror movie rules. If you're a dick like Alfred, you should be horribly murdered.
1: Well, look, and that's where the burning's flawed, right? Because, yep. again, the filmmakers had no idea what they were saying <laughs> with their movie. But, but I think if you, if you read it critically, you know it, I, I do think that in a lot of ways... Let's, let's put it this way, okay? You you have Alfred positively being reinforced constantly throughout the film, right? Mm-hmm. By by other men, yeah. And and you know, and he makes that fucking comment of like, I have no friends. And then it turns out like all the fucking dudes, all the are,
2: boys are his friend. Fuck you, right? Alfred. Like, like they're
1: all protecting him from Glazer and stuff. So yeah, yeah, like fuck you, Alfred. But he's getting this positive reinforcement throughout. But what kind of happens in the end? He doesn't die, but the film ultimately, you know, is kind of like showing alfred you know in a sense of like hey this is what your path is leading you towards you're going to become Cropsy if you keep this shit up you know so you like, think by
2: it, him setting Cropsey on fire he's going i don't want to be that man sort of
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> like like again you have again you're you're you know you're stretching these things a little bit to to your own kind of interpretation of it right mm-hmm. um but i do think that you know with Alfred ultimately being kind of like the final boy in this, mm-hmm. you know, you're—he's basically by making him the main character and by making him a character who's like Cropsey, mm-hmm. the film is kind of going one of two ways, where it's like you're either trying to teach Alfred a lesson and say that this is the path that you're on, uh-huh. and even though you're getting this positive reinforcement for men, that's not okay. Yeah. You know, like the film itself, in a sense of saying, is saying like, hey, this positive reinforcement, what Alfred did not okay, you mm-hmm. know, because, <laughs> and so you're either looking at it as like, he learns a lesson or you look at it as he's doomed to become Cropsy because society keeps telling him it's okay.
2: I think he's doomed to become Cropsy because he's a dick.
1: Sure. <laughs> he is a dick, yeah. <laughs> but no. So, so really quick, I, I just want to make the point too of like, you know, v- voyeurism does play a heavy role in this film and you know it's this really nasty kind of thing right where like again the film has no intent but it's but you know i, I hope the people watch the burning and think to themselves like oh this is wrong you know yeah. like like cuz the the sort of what the burning does differently than some other slasher films you know like like michael myers in halloween right mm. he's kind of a voyeur in the beginning as a kid uh, where he's like sneaking up on his sister, you know, being naked and stuff like <laughs> brushing like,
2: her hair naked because that's what you do. Who
1: doesn't? So, <laughs> but you know, but there, there's like some weird kind of voyeuristic things there. But, but the burning is sort of kind of like uh, the burning more than a lot of these movies really puts an emphasis on the 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 fact that voyeurism itself is kind of like this this ugly part of human nature where it's mm-hmm. like you sort of take. Almost sort of like ownership of whoever is the voyeurie, yep. you know, uh, like it's kind of like watching porn in a sense, right? Like, yeah. you know, like nobody, nobody watches porn and really thinks themselves that much of like, this is a real person with like a family and <laughs> friends and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, right? Like, like, I don't think any of you are watching porn on Pornhub and going, like, man, I wonder what this person does in their free time. Like, <laughs> do they go get coffee in the morning and, like, go see their mom on the weekends or something? Like, you don't think about that stuff. Instead, yeah. you have people watching porn being like, yeah, fucking, you know say this bitch or like whatever the whatever the fuck people say when they watch porn right you know like you take ownership of that person in a sense you know like they're on this video so they don't feel like real to you necessarily Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what the burning is sort of commenting on is like how you know how there's kind of this inherent nature especially in men where it's like you you have a character like alfred watching a girl in the shower and alfred isn't really thinking of her as a person he's like he even says you know like i'm I was doing that to her to get back at Glazer. Like, he's almost yeah. looking at her as, like, a prop. Like, she's it, not
2: a real person.
1: Right, like, as a prop in his, like, make-believe vengeance against Glazer. Like, how the fuck is that getting back at Glazer? I have no idea, but... Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things that I feel like we see in this movie a lot, personally, is almost kind of like this boys-will-be-boys boys mentality. Like, with the voyeurism, and especially for me with... How much pranks and revenge we kind of see in this movie? So I'm curious how you view the pranks we see play out in this film.
1: Well, so I think that you know it—it it really just ties into everything we've been saying already, which is the idea of the whole boys will be boys adage and how dangerous it, it really is, right? Right. Like, like you know, <laughs> the burning's funny in that way because it was made by people who, you know that saying applies to.
2: Yep. Who took full advantage of that position in society.
1: Exactly. Like, so, you know, when you want, when you, when you hear these court cases, like fucking Brock Turner and the judge being like, boys will be boys or whatever the fuck happened, you know?
2: Fuck you judge.
1: Yeah, I know. You know, like, or I don't remember if it was the judge that said that or his (laughs) defense attorney or whatever, but, or his father, but basically the argument they tried to make was boys will be boys. Right.
2: Yep.
1: Fuck that. You know? And, and it's, the brain's fascinating in that way. Because I think that the movie is ultimately kind of talking about the danger of that. Yes. Yet it was made by people who embraced it. Right. You know? So like, so so when I watch this film, it's you know it's it's interesting because it it exposes the danger of that. Again, it's why I think that the film itself is not saying that that's okay. Because mm-hmm. you you're watching all this positive male reinforcement, but we can look at that through a 2021 lens and be like oh, that's actually what happens in society, and that's what's wrong with society. Yeah. You know? Like, like, <laughs> you know, because, cause, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, maybe uh, this did not happen to me. I want to uh-huh. preface that with this, but it's like maybe I could be caught, you know, watching girls in the shower in gym class in high school, mm-hmm. and, you know, the principal and my dad defend it like, oh, he's just a curious hormonal boy. You know, that's just yep. what they do. No, it's not just what they do. No. I never did that. My friends never did that. Most men I know, well, I should say, I don't know a single guy that did do that, right? So it's like that, but that but that mindset comes up every time that a man gets caught for something like that. Yep. You know, and and the burning in a weird way is saying that that's not okay.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, it is putting a giant focus on these really negative shit that men pull that's not okay. And hopefully people get that from this movie. Right,
1: and even not just the voyeurism, but the pranks itself, you know? Yay. Like like these dudes in the beginning straight up almost murder a man. Yeah. <laughs> and they get away with it. Yep. They even have the hospital being like Hey, don't hold a grudge. I they mean, we're you're, just
2: kids. They're just kids.
1: You're horribly scarred for the rest of your life and you know, you're gonna you're you'll never have a normal life again, but they're just kids. Let them you. go.
2: <laughs> well, and like let let's even look at, at Eddie and Karen when they're hooking up in, in the lake and Eddie's refusal to actually respect Karen's boundaries and stuff like that. And she's kind of painted. She's the one who ends up suffering for it because she gets killed by Cropsy right afterwards. But even with Cropsey himself, like all of Cropsey's murders are ostensibly pranks. Like say what now? (laughs) Bear with me with this. So, not counting the prostitute. Um, but I want to say that Karen is our first murder after her clothes. Her clothes get stolen. And thrown ap- about the woods. That's a very common prank at camp to steal, sure. steal people's clothes, and then she gets murdered. And then with both of the canoe and like the sleeping bag murder, when Glazer gets killed, it's almost kind of like that little kid prank where you hide and then you jump out and scare your friends. Except for Cropsy is horribly murdering everybody. Uh,
1: I, mean, I, I guess I see where you're coming from with that. Okay, so
2: it's. Again, I feel like there is a big... So
1: Jason, Jason Voorhees is just one big prankster.
2: (laughs) No, no, no. Jason's just murdering people. Do not assign him with the Cropsey shit. No, 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 no. no.
1: Jason hides and does weird shit like that.
0: (laughs)
2: Okay, if anything, Jason is playing hide and seek, where if you find him, you get murdered. As opposed to... Fun game. (laughs) Is it? But yeah, I feel like Cropsey is very much in a lot of the burning is kind of showing you the dangers of just letting these boys get away with these pranks and kind of do this stuff because it has a negative effect on literally everyone around them
1: well and it you know i i'm glad
2: eddie died because he was a piece of shit
1: i I can only imagine what some of our listeners are thinking right now of like how dare you try to ruin this movie for me but (laughs) just (laughs) but but i mean look you know when, when you think of even even the title, The Burning, which, by the way, it was not originally called The Burning. I, I forget what it was originally called, but it was something much less interesting. <laughs> um, much less
2: interesting than The Burning? I think The Burning's a great title for I, a slasher. It's um, fine.
1: You, whatever. <laughs> you don't write movies. You don't know. Um, I do
2: not. I don't know.
1: No, I, I think The Burning's a great title, but it you know even the title itself, I feel like, kind of touches on what we're talking about because... You know, you can look at... You, know, you can also look at the title twofold, where it's like the burning in one sense can apply to the the rage of Cropsey's vengeance, you know, and how it's like this rage that just touches everything and, and destroys it, right? Mm-hmm. But you can also look at the burning in another sense where, you know... I mean, it sounds like a joke, but it's like, you know, the burning's also kind of a little bit about, like, the, the raging hormones, the burning hormones of, of teenagers, <laughs> right? In, in, in particular, men. And, you know, because when... It, because, like, all of these camp films are about hormonal teenagers, right? I mean, yeah. they all revolve around that shit. All slashers do, for the most part. Uh, but the burning in particular is where where other slashers talk about the danger of sex in particular, you know, in, in sort of like a Christian way, mm-hmm. which I hate. A sort of like, oh, if you have sex before you're married, you die. It's terrible, you know? Like, yeah. Like, they all kind of approach it that way, in a sense. Whereas the burning is kind of more like hormonal male teenagers are dangerous.
2: Yeah, they're the literal Uh, devils.
1: Because, so, you know, this is giving too much credit to this movie. (laughs) But you can almost kind of look at it in a sense of... So so let's take our two women who end up dying after, you know, stripping in a lake or having sex, right? So you've got... Uh, Sally and oh, uh, was the other girl's name Karen? You know, in a sense, I almost feel like the movie is sort of talking to women in those in those moments as opposed to men, and kind of being like, so, well, just kind of being I'm like, there. I'm
2: listening. Yeah, you give me that look of like, you better I... not say
1: something wrong or I'll murder you. <laughs> um, but I feel like the movie is kind of talking to women in those moments of being like, you know, they. Eddie, dangerous man. Glazer seems charming, but kind, does he? <laughs> but kind of dangerous man, you know? And, and it's almost like the movie is talking to these women and saying, you know, you, be careful of these dangerous men who are aggressive and not treating you right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and then and then they die after they give in to these fucking charming but dickish assholes you know so- <laughs> yeah,
2: i would agree with you i would go a step further and say you know don't let yourselves be pressured by these dudes no, but that's what i mean yeah.
1: that that's what i'm trying to get at i'm not saying it as eloquently as that because i'm fucking buzzed but it's like <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's why i'm stepping in i'm just making it a little bit more eloquent
1: you're just smoothing out the cement that i'm laying down exactly you know? like- <laughs> i'm
2: helping i'm helping
1: but no exactly that it, it's it's uh, Again, it's not intentional, but but it's you know I it's almost like this indirect message of just saying boys are fucking dangerous as hormonal teenage assholes, right? Yes, you know, and and it and the fact that the women die that the women die first, like yep. the men never die first nope. after it happens in this movie. The fact that the women die immediately after, yep, <laughs> is like it's almost like this warning sign of like. Do not get involved with the fucking Eddies of the world. You know, be wary of Eddies.
2: (laughs) Eddies will not respect your boundaries and be assholes about it. Right. Glazers... They will they will
1: lie to you to get you naked into the lake and then they will turn against you. Yep,
2: Glazer's will pressure you and then give you the shittiest sex of your life so it's not worth it.
1: I love the Glazer's so much talk and then it's like fucking 5 seconds of he... terrible sex. Yeah, he
2: premature <laughs> like nothing. But then Sally is still
1: like, "Oh, I'm going to stay." But I guess to be fair to Glazer, he tries. He's not a complete dick. He's just kind of a dick. You
2: know, I would say that Glazer really I hate saying this. Glazer really is actually the Alfred of the movie. Alfred gets point. What? What the hell does that mean? So Alfred kind of gets like raised up as he's like the awkward one, the loner. Nobody likes him. And that's why he's so weird. But he's a fucking liar. and We know it because he has friends. Everybody likes him. When I look at Glazer, Glazer's a piece of shit. This is not me defending somebody who is a bully and aggressive.
1: Oh, uh, I get what you're saying. He, he's, he's actually the outcast. Exactly.
2: Yeah. He's the one nobody likes. He's the one who's really awkward, but actually really kind of sensitive and tender, like we see with Sally. Yeah. But uh, this is not defending him. You cannot cure bad boys. Fuck him.
1: <laughs> no, sure, whatever. So <laughs> so I want to make sure we talk about this before we wrap up. Uh, you know, What are your thoughts on the fact that this film does place men in in roles that are traditionally reserved for women because the burning really stands out in that you know in a time where 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 the term final girl was developed right and it was always almost always women that were the survivors in these movies mm-hmm. you know whether they were portrayed well or not it was always <laughs> women that were taking down the killers in these movies and in this case it's two men like how, how do you feel about that with the way the burning approaches this
2: Okay, so I have two thoughts on this. One, look, I honestly would like to see more Final Boys. Just because I think that it could be an interesting different dynamic in horror films. So, I am all for Final Boys. But in particular regarding to Alfred and Todd, fuck those men, they don't deserve to be Final Girls, they don't have what it takes. Like, the thing for me with Final Girls is the big thing is about them kind of overcoming this terror and standing up to it and fighting back against it. And with this whole film, you have Alfred who is basically Cropsy, who really does not show any kind of growth or change. He doesn't really stand up. He doesn't really fight. He gets captured. And then he kind of fights. And then yeah. you have Todd, who is constantly undermining the only person who is actively trying to make a safe environment for her campers. Todd's fucking undermining his girlfriend. Fuck that dude. Who also almost murdered a dude who bears no responsibility, <laughs> does not have any accountability. So for me... Being a final girl is a right. It's like a crown. You're special if a final girl because you've gone through the shit, you've owned up, and you fought. And these are two basic bitches who (laughs) didn't make it out of boot camp.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and and this to me is where the movie really falters, right? It's like, I, I, I think both Todd and Alfred are terrible Main characters yes. terrible. Main they're characters awful people. Like like they make me angry that they live through this movie, and not just that they live, but that they're the fucking heroes, right? Yeah, like fuck them. Like it, it's it's actually like infuriating because you know like I like I mentioned earlier, I I think Todd's actually a terrible person. Yes. Like, you know he's I I think there's maybe supposed to be some kind of sympathy, perhaps that yeah. that he you know. <laughs> You know, like, I get, maybe Cropsey yelled at him once. I have no fucking idea what no. the hell happened with him and Cropsey. But but it's like, the the film itself, and, and again, this is why I say the filmmakers really had no intention with this whatsoever, is like, uh, the film is making both Todd and Alfred out to be the heroes, and it's why I try to read into this in in a different way of just, because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to raise them up as the heroes of this movie, you know? Yeah. It's why I want to look at it more as like the two of them having the face Cropsy and in a sense face what they're on the path to becoming. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the that's the most positive way I want to try to look at this movie, which is that because cause cause a lot of horror films like that's really what they come down to. Right. Is like when you look at our main characters, it's not always about. Facing the 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 outside terrors of the world, mm-hmm. a lot of times horror is really about facing your your own insecurities, your own fears, your your own potential for what you might become. Like it's it's all about kind of facing yourself in a lot of horror films, right? Yeah. And so the only way that I can really justify <laughs> <laughs> Alfred and Todd. Being our quote unquote heroes in this film is that they're having to face the awful things that they've done. Mm-hmm. You know, like Todd is having to face what he did to Cropsey and that prank. And then sla-
2: and- stab him in the face.
1: No, but that, but I mean, yes, but that, <laughs> but you can't, you can't look at Cropsey as just being
2: mm-hmm.
1: his prank. You have to look at Cropsey as being like, what he actually is internally, right, mm-hmm. so again, like you know, if you look at Cropsey as kind of being the 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 visual representation of the ugliness inside of us, right, yeah, you know, you can look at Todd and Alfred taking him down as the two of them facing the ugliness inside of them, like yet, like yes, they're killing Cropsey, <laughs> who maybe was innocent to begin with, and that mm-hmm. sucks, yeah, but but in a sense you can look at it if you want to view it positively you can look at them as killing inside of them like what's wrong with them right mm-hmm. so like it's todd facing the guilt of what he did and for and for uh for alfred it's facing the the basically like mistreating <laughs> women prick that he could become <laughs> it's him facing that right mm-hmm. you know so it's kind of like a rite of passage of like Of like basically like growing up. Yeah. You know, like you grow up and and you realize the worst part of yourself and you overcome it. That's kind of how I try to view the burning.
2: (laughs) I love how positively you view that ending. I'm I'm much more pessimistic with it because with a lot of this film, I kind of look at how how shittily it treats the, the female characters, how these shitty male characters keep getting uplifted. So, unfortunately, the pessimist in me views it as, like... Well,
1: it's oh, not, it's not being a pessimist. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, when, when you consider... And, look, I, I'm trying not to really talk about it during this episode because I don't want to fucking give this guy any airtime, but it's yeah. like, you know, yeah. When you, when you think about the fact that Harvey was connected to this film, mm-hmm. it's really hard to watch at times. Like, it really is. Deep. And it's especially hard to watch knowing that, you know, knowing that certain characters like uh, Karen Julian, who played Karen knowing that she was uncomfortable with her nude scene. And you can tell oh. and you can tell when you watch the film that she's not, like, totally into doing that yeah. scene, right? Now, that wasn't the case for everybody. Karen, uh, Glenn, who played Sally, would, apparently was totally fine with it. And, mm-hmm. and that shows, like, she doesn't seem uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, But Karen does seem uncomfortable. And, you know, so, so there are things that show up in the film where it's like, yeah, it it's hard to watch. I feel bad for the women in this movie, right? Yeah. And, and on the surface... You know, if you're just taking the film at face value a- and the fact that it's saying nothing and doesn't mm-hmm. really and it doesn't really itself understand the bad message of <laughs> Alfred and Todd being the, our final people and surviving, mm-hmm. right? You know, like like the filmmakers had no idea what they were doing <laughs> in telling a story. They, yeah. they were literally just making a slasher movie and it shows, yes. you know, it shows that there wasn't thought put into that, <laughs> But it's why it's why people like myself, like, look, I don't wanna hate this movie because Harvey Weinstein was involved with it, right? No. Like I don't want Because Savini I
2: don't... was involved with it. Well Savini was involved
1: with it, but it's but you know for the most part, like it's a fine slasher yeah. film. I enjoy it, right? We've shit so, on it a
2: bit this episode, but we do like it,
1: right? So, like, you know, and, and I mean, for God's sakes, like, if you went through every movie ever made, I mean, you people could not imagine how many shitty people are involved with this stuff, right? Yeah. So, like, so, like, I try not to to look at films as just being associated with someone terrible, and I try to look at the film on. just its own value right because because it it is art and ultimately once once an artist gives us their art then it's up to us to interpret it how we want right it's ours now it's ours now so like when i look at the burning this 40 year old movie (laughs) you know i i try to look at it as like yeah that's what i want to take from it i want to take this concept that It's these two awful people (laughs) learning to kind of overcome and face that part of themselves, right? Uh Because to me, that's a better way to view this movie than just purely viewing it as like, it was made by terrible sexists, it's a sexist film, and blah, 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 it sucks, you know? Yeah. I, I would rather view it as something positive of like, you know, I can watch this and go, yeah, that's what it should be. You face you face the worst parts of yourself. You kill it, and you and you get better. You know, <laughs> and that's what I like to imagine for Alfred and Todd. I like to imagine in the sequel they are better people.
2: <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, I will let you have your optimistic view of the end.
1: All right, so we got to wrap up. So who is your who is your killer idiot of the burning?
2: Look, I. Don't ever want to do victim blaming, but it's fucking Karen for going swimming with Eddie. Like, look, I, I love you, Karen. You are a sweet girl, but like There's Eddie- Chris
1: out here. Yeah, you-,
2: you had it coming
1: because you dressed that way, Karen. No, no, no. I don't <laughs> here's
2: the thing. I don't think that she had it coming. Know, okay. Like, it's it just hurts because, like, you know. Potentially, woman to woman, and you can relate to of like you see that this. Well, girl- I
1: am a woman. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I am she she's clearly uncomfortable with this boy and it happens so much in real life where women go with these men they feel pressured to go with these men that they don't want to go with and like it breaks my heart so the Karen and Eddie scene breaks my heart because she's trying to have a good relationship because that's what society has told her that she's responsible for trying and Eddie's a fucking piece of shit and he never deserved Karen and he should have died. Well, he he def- should have died first.
1: Well, he yes. Both counts. He should have died first. Yep. He didn't deserve Karen.
2: <laughs> no, and Karen should have lived.
1: And Karen should have lived. Karen, Karen was the sweetheart. And, that, and yep. that's so. All- you know, that's always the hard thing with horror movies, right? Is like they, they give us characters for the most part that we actually kind of like, and then they kill them, and it's always sad. <laughs> yeah, and they
2: always make not great decisions, and you are you just want to be like, sweetie, no, don't go to the lake. We'll go have cocoa and s'mores by the campfire. Fuck that yep. dude. He can play with himself. But
1: I mean, that's part of the fun of it, right? Is that That's why we talk to the characters like, no, don't do that, because I actually kind of like you, and I don't want you to die. <laughs> yeah, that's why I
2: yell at the TV screen all the time.
1: Exactly, so... Um, I'm surprised you chose her though, because to me, the very obvious idiot of this entire film is the fucking camp supervisor.
2: Oh, he's this, a Pete worthless piece of shit. Th- th-
1: this guy, <laughs> this guy who you know, he's just he can't control the kids at nope. camp. He he can't recognize that the kids are hurt in the end when they show up fucking limping and dirty and bloody. They <laughs> show
2: up on a fucking raft, and he's like, "Where are my canoes?" Right,
1: a raft they hand built, you know, and he's like, "Oh, you kids," you know. <laughs> And, and, and he's just letting all these kids go on, like, a three-day canoe trip at fucking Devil's Rock or whatever the hell it's called, right? Like, like, dude, you are the worst. Like, I would <laughs> never send my kids to your fucking camp. You're terrible at this.
2: <laughs> he's the yeah, he's exact opposite of the supervisor from like, Sleepaway Camp.
1: Like, to me, I look at him, I'm like, yeah, you would be the fucking guy to run a camp, right? Like yeah. <laughs> my, You know, like...
2: I, <laughs> Eight kids get murdered, you don't even fucking notice. All right, I mean, you're almost as fucking bad as the dude
1: from Sleepaway Camp running oh. the camp, the fucking Jawsmare Camp counselor. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, what about your killer death of the burning?
2: Oh, that goes to Glazer. Like, a, like I hate that dude because he's an ass. Like, aggro, super macho, whatever. But B, boy is dumb as a stump, doesn't even notice a full-grown I- man next to his naked girlfriend and gets surprised. But then I do love that shot of the I'm... Um, of the garden shears going through his neck and him being hoisted. I think that's so fucking cool.
1: That's a great shot. You know, we talk shit a lot about Glazer. I really don't think Glazer's that bad. I, th- I think that Glazer is a... Glazer, to me, is a classic example of someone who does feel like an outcast. Mm-hmm. But he's actually... he's a, I do think that he's a good person on the inside. You know, because, like, he's not... Because he tries to be good to Sally,
2: I think for he's, the most
1: part, you know, he's a
2: product of society. He feels like he has to be macho and probably has a tiny dick. Well,
1: that he he's, can't he's use clearly, right. He's clearly not very good at using it. So,
2: <laughs> not that that's any reason to make fun of a dude, but
1: no. Glazer's an that <laughs> Yeah, my color death is the raft scene. I don't know how it's not the raft scene. Like it's the <laughs>
2: because I watched the raft scene and I go, "You would have fallen the fucking river, you dumbass."
1: whatever dude kills five people at once with fucking garden shoes it's amazing (laughs) that's true i
2: do love i mean eddie gets it which makes me happy i love fish losing his fingers first that's such a great moment
1: yeah, what about your killer MVP of the Bernina?
2: Yeah, that goes to Tom Savini. Duh. Yeah, <laughs> that's not even... I didn't even have to think about that. I just had to yeah. Google.
1: Yeah, no, it goes to Tom Savini for his effects. You know, this is one of his earlier films. Uh, I, You know, he, he had kind of started the breakout with George Romero and Dawn of the Dead. And then, of course, Friday the 13th, which, interesting note... He actually turned down Friday the 13th Part 2, which Chris is looking at me like, I guess he must have recharged this. <laughs>
0: like, I am
2: miffed about that. That's the only thing I'm like, the effects of this are good, and I think that the only reason why we talk about The Burning is because Tom Savini was involved in it. But he left my boy! My yeah, boy! The,
1: the funny thing this year is like he, you know, I'm not saying it was a bad decision, because we still no. hold up The Burning as a cult classic, right? 40 years later, but... You know, he did turn down Friday the 13th Part 2, and apparently his reasoning for that was he just really liked the script for The Burning. And I kind of think about that, and I'm like...
2: Really, Tom?
1: I kind of think about that, and I'm like, well, what did you see in the script for The Burning that you didn't see in the script for Friday the 13th Part 2? You know? Like, that that's a pretty fucking great movie, Tom. <laughs>
2: maybe you just wanted to... Uh, the raft scene. The epic raft scene.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, But all right, so... That's gonna do it for us on the Burning. So, as usual with the end of our month with any theme, like to rank the films that we've talked about throughout the month. So, during our Deadly Sasher, or during our Deadly Summer Camp month, we've talked about The Burning, uh, Sleepaway Camp, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, Madman. So, how would you rank our Deadly Summer Camp movies this month?
2: Okay, so for me, coming in at number four (coughs) is The Burning. Oh, like look, we. I shit on this movie a bit in this episode, but I do think that it's a fun movie. It's just that I I care very much about the characters and there's not a character I can attach to very well. But number three is Mad Men, which also pisses me off because there's a dude in it who I don't think should have lived and he gets to make it to the end. So both of these movies suck because the assholes make it. But the Mad Men edges it out because it's got that amazing song. And Mm. I'm a musical person, so. Number two is Sleepaway Camp because Angela is amazing. I love her and I will defend her with my life. And I can't not put my boy at number one. Sorry, Friday the 13th will always win in any of these rankings.
1: Yeah. Uh, So we actually have the exact same ranking (gasps) on this one. Um
2: (laughs) This never happens. I don't know if this means that I have good taste for once or Matt has terrible taste.
1: We're going to go with the the former. So <laughs> good taste.
2: I did it. I'm good for once.
1: Uh, but look, you know, I want to be clear. I don't think that the Ma- I don't think that Madman's a better movie than The Burning. I- I- is it I- the song? No, it's just that <laughs> I-, I do actually think that that The Burning's a better made film than Madman in a lot of ways. I just think that Madman to me is more fun. Ah. I-, I-, I watch The Burning and there are a lot of instances with how women are treated that, you know, just just don't really play well with me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe there was a time where I was a kid where that was, like, uh, where it played a bit better to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't anymore. Yeah. I, the Madman's mad a lot more fun to me. You know, so, you like... a
2: spitting hot tub scene.
1: Yeah, so, like, I'm ranking these movies on, like, how much, you know, how much I enjoy them. Not, not on quality. So, yeah. like, the burning is more quality than Madman, mm-hmm. for sure. Madman's a fucking mess.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's our mess. <laughs>
1: But it's our mess and I enjoy it. So, so now the burnings at the bottom because there are there are some scenes in this that make me a little more uncomfortable than I would typically like with my slasher movies. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like I like my slashers to be a little bit more easygoing and, <laughs> and, and be a good time, you know. So so the burning's at the bottom Madman is number three because it is a total fucking mess, but I have fun with it sleepaway camp i think is an amazing movie it, it really is it, it does so much well it's got one of the greatest endings in horror history mm-hmm. you know so i so it absolutely deserves a number three spot and then friday Two, i think friday is just a great slasher movie you know yeah. it, it's a great slasher film it's a lot of fun it's the most fun of any of these in my opinion um
2: jason's running around with a sack on his head
1: Jason's got a sack on his head and it's just a really good time. They you have. know, like it, it does it does everything well. An interesting thing about this list is I'm looking at it and all these like because uh, these are all early 80s. You know, Sleepaway Camp was the oldest uh, coming out in 1983, I think. Interesting thing with all of these is that they all have people that survive that maybe shouldn't have, you know, because most slashers have.
2: Oh, shit. Yeah. The child rapist lives and the redheaded dude from Friday the 13th.
1: Yeah, most slashers have, you know, most slashers only have one or two survivors, and usually any name character is killed off, you know? Yeah. All of these, though, have at least a few people who survive, and they're all, like, named characters. Like, even Sleepaway Camp, you know, Sleepaway Camp only really kills the really bad people, mm-hmm. but but there are a couple named characters that have big roles in that movie, and they all live. Yeah. So, <laughs> so kind of interesting thing about that, like... It's fun revisiting these movies before tropes really became tropes, because eventually the trope was everybody dies except for the final girl or one other person, right? Yeah, Or if you're Uh, an asshole,
2: you're guaranteed to die.
1: Right. But in these early 80s, they were still kind of toying with that a little bit, you know, so the formula doesn't quite apply to all of them, which I think is fun. Uh, But anyway, so that's going to do it for us on The Burning and our month of deadly summer camps. Our theme for next month has not yet been decided we have voting currently going on for that as you're listening to this or or maybe or maybe it'll be announced by the time you're listening to this i don't know (laughs) uh but (laughs) uh but the next theme the theme for july will be announced before july so keep an eye out for that Uh, otherwise hope you've enjoyed our discussion on summer camp slashers and and that you had a good time, and, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us on that. So, I'm Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And have a good night, horror fans. Beware of camp.
2: <laughs> Bye.
0: I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at KillerFromSpace, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore horror underscore critic new episodes release every friday so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way i like them have a good night horror fans